reading uh, this evening from Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make an help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Well, we're looking uh, tonight, friends, at these uh, few verses here at the end of Genesis uh, chapter 2. And my title for this evening is uh, The First Woman, The First uh, Marriage. And we shall consider uh, briefly uh, these two topics. Well, we're looking uh, at uh, the second chapter, not another account of creation, the same account, but in some more detail. Genesis chapter 2 tells us a little bit more what's happening on day 6. A lot is happening on this final day. Then we're given, then, then first meets our eye in chapter 1. And the focus really is man and what God is doing for man. We saw last week how God formed man and how God prepared that paradise, that garden uh, for him and uh, subsequently for Eve. And also all the, fr the, the trees that were in that garden, beautiful to look at, beautiful to smell. Uh, or lovely to smell, I should say, and beautiful and lovely uh, to eat, delicious uh, fr uh, fruits, and all the trees they could eat of, but just one. They had that uh, covenant of works established between the Lord uh, and Adam, and he had to just restrain and refrain from one uh, tree to show his obedience to God, to show that he was willing to love the Lord freely and to serve him sadly, uh, that wasn't uh, kept, as we know. But we, we're looking today, then, at this, the creation of the first woman, uh, Eve, and the first marriage, of course, between Adam and Eve. Again, some relevant things, really, so much, really, to say about marriage, isn't it, uh, for today? We cannot touch on every issue, but uh, we'll just say the, the, the ones, the very basic things that uh, are in, this, in these verses. So, firstly... Uh, notice the Lord God said, verse 18, it is not good for man that the man should be alone. This is the first time God is saying it's not good. It, it's uh, everything else, every other time he said it is good. 
But now he's saying it's not good that man should be alone. Has God made a mistake? Has God got his plan wrong and he's having to rethink his plan uh, about what's gone wrong? Why is something not good? No, that's not the idea really uh, in mind. That's not what the Lord is saying when he's saying it's not good. He's saying that this circumstance in which Adam finds himself now, it's not good. This circumstance in which Adam is just one of his kind. He's the only human uh, around at the moment. That circumstance is not good for him. He's a social being. I've created him in my image and in my likeness. And I've given him those qualities so that he can relate to people and communicate to people. I've given him a language, but he has no one of, who is of the same ilk as him with whom he can communicate and speak. He's on his own. Yes, he can speak, of course, to God, and he can relate uh, to the Lord, but uh, he has no one who is of the same uh, nature as him. And God says, that's not good for him. That's not going to be uh, the best thing for him. He needs somebody with whom to share his experiences, to share his life, to share his joys uh, together. And so the Lord says, it's not good for Adam to be alone. Different from the loneliness, really, that we think of or hear about so often today. And sadly, there are many lonely people in this world. But the loneliness is from really having no friends and despairing ever of having a friend or a, a spouse or, and feeling very much on their own, a little bit different uh, from that kind of feeling, discontentment with that sort of situation. Well, Adam, he didn't have any discontentment, didn't really have time uh, before the Lord brought Eve along because she came along on the same day. So it's just a few hours, but still the Lord said, it's not good for, for the man to be alone. And of course, it's not good because uh, for the sake of procreation, God has, is going to say to them, be fruitful and multiply. Well, he'll need a wife uh, for that to take place. And that's why the Lord goes on to say, I will make and help meet uh, for him. I'll make a companion uh, for Adam, one with whom he can identify. Uh, the word help, uh, help meet, or we could think of it in two different ways. And both of them help us to see the role of a woman, the role even of a, a wife. Firstly, we could think of it as uh, corresponding to, a meet, somebody who is a counterpart of Adam, somebody who corresponds to him, somebody who is similar uh, to him, somebody who is of the same nature as he is, somebody also who is also made in the image of God, who can also reason together with him and think things out and, of course, speak in the same language as uh, he can. And so they can communicate uh, one with another, one whom he could love and show love to and, vice, uh, and receive a love uh, back, one with whom he could laugh and enjoy a life together. God is out for the happiness of his people. And so he creates, uh, he's out to make this companion uh, for uh, Adam, a friend who will stand by him, who will stick by him continually, one who will also worship together uh, with, with him. 
And they'll talk about the Lord, and they'll talk about the things of God uh, together. This, firstly, that's the idea of somebody who is similar in nature to him. But it, it can also mean uh, this word meet as opposite. Somebody who is, as it were, standing in front of him who is uh, opposite to him. In other words, she complements him. She adds things to him which he doesn't have. Adam has a lot of qualities already, but he's lacking some. And Eve is going to make up for what uh, he lacks. She's going to look different physically. And she's going to, it's be, it'll be easy to recognize that there are some biological uh, differences with, with her. But also she's going to have characteristics that the man doesn't have. She's going to see things from a different angle to what the man uh, sees things. She's going to think of things that probably he doesn't think of. And that's going to help him. That's going to unite, make him a more complete man. As she contributes these things uh, in their conversations, and she uh, mentions her own thoughts and uh, her own ideas, well, that's going to enlarge the capacity, as it were, of the man uh, to be a better man and to be a more wholesome person. She's not inferior to him in any way. Uh, she is equal to him. After the fall, well, we see, we know, especially after the fall, she had to be s submitted to, to her husband, and to, he was the head of the house. But she is equal uh, still, even then, equal in intelligence as well with the man, and yet uh, different uh, in, in, in a number of ways. So the two uh, here combined as one, husband and wife, uh, uh, complementing each other and forming this one complete uh, unit. This is what uh, the, the idea here is. This is what God is saying. This is the kind of person I will make for Adam, one who will be a, com a companion to him and one who will also be uh, a, co a complement to him and a help uh, to him. Well, friends, uh, this is a much higher view, isn't it, we have to say, than you find in many other religions. Many other religions, well, the man is so superior, and the, the husband is superior in the home, uh, and uh, the woman, well, she's his slave, and she just has to do whatever uh, he wants, he tells her to do. We know that in, in Islam, uh, if you... If you uh, are a martyr for, for the cause, well, upon entrance to heaven, your reward, and this is probably why many people do it, the reward into, into, into heaven, so-called, is a harem of, of women are provided for you. That's your reward. That's what you'll get. But that's so degrading, friends, to women. That's so uh, belittling uh, women to one kind of role. Uh, sad to say, uh, even in our, some of our reformed uh, friends, uh, they also relegate women to just one, one kind of role or one kind of idea. Looking at me a little bit worried now. <laughs> but uh, the idea is a woman's is just to make the cup of tea, just to be domesticated, just to look after the home or, and to look after uh, the children. Well, she can do a lot more than that. And sometimes uh, reformed, in reformed churches or reformed friends, maybe individuals, they have a little bit of this idea still 
in the minds that's the only role for a woman to have. Keep her in the home or keep her in the church making the tea. But she can contribute so much more uh, in the family. And she's got her own ideas as well, uh, uh, which should be taken note. Her suggestions can be listened to. And so much can be gained if the husband is not too proud uh, to listen uh, to what his wife uh, says. So uh, th these two ideas uh, come, come through. In marriage, Adam and Eve here coming together in marriage, then it teaches us, doesn't it, that companionship in marriage is so important. This is one of the reasons uh, for marriage, that God brings Eve, uh, brings Eve, or creates Eve for Adam, and then brings, brings her to him uh, to be his companion. Uh, companionship, friends, is more than just having a marriage certificate and living together in the same house. Many people do that, but they're not having a good marriage. Many people, you may see many couples, or you may see them together often, but it doesn't mean to say they're having a good marriage. We hope so. But they may, in the home, there may be no communication. There may be no converse that is taking place uh, between the husband and the wife, or very minimal uh, communication about what you want to eat, or where shall we go, what shall we do, and there's no uh, opening up uh, between the husband and the wife. And that probably is not the, the ideal uh, for marriage. It's very common we hear it of a married person saying also, well, they are lonely. They also feel alone, in the, and they're already married. So there's a little bit more to it than just being uh, together. There must be a, com a communication between the, the husband and the wife. Married friends must take time uh, to speak to each other, to lay aside sometimes that mobile phone, uh, to close the laptop, or to, if necessary, uh, hold back from some of the household chores so that they can share their thoughts and their fears and their feelings uh, with uh, each other and uh, communicate in this hearty way. Now I have to say here, because uh, not everyone is married, uh, and there are single people amongst us, and there are single people in the world, many. There are widows and spinsters and bachelors, and what shall they do for companionship? Has God forgotten about them? Is God not concerned about their loneliness, as it were? Well, of course not. But uh, God does care for single people too. But they, need, they will need to find their, that, that need, their inner need for social contact fulfilled in another way. Fulfilled maybe with friends and fulfilled in, with family members or uh, children or grandchildren. or In other ways, they will need to find that, that social contact uh, need within them uh, and a need for friendship uh, is uh, satisfied. So God hasn't forgotten them, but it's not, it may not be as close as this union between a husband and his wife. So marriage is for companionship. Marriage also, we could say, is for partnership. And that, in that sense, that both are working uh, together. Both are discussing together. It may be at the end of the day, the husband as the head has to make the final decision. 
but they're, they're both thinking things through together. And the husband is uh, taking on board uh, what the wife uh, is saying. And often the wife is very clever in the way she puts things across, so that one is, one is, uh, the husband is brought to think that it's his, own, his idea, and it's actually her idea. So uh, we, we thank God uh, for the wisdom given, and we want to draw uh, on that which is given uh, to our wives, working together for the Savior, for the Lord, uh, together in the Lord's work. Well, that's a blessing for us. Well, <laughs> marriage then, friends, is this union uh, between, of one man and one woman, both walking side by side, both complementing each other. I'm not going to say uh, hardly anything about the roles of women. We know that, of men and women, we know that both have a distinct uh, role to play, but we're not egalitarian in the sense that we believe that uh, roles can be switched uh, between the two genders. Uh, so we, this was a, a thinking which is popularized, popularized uh, by biblical feminists actually in the 70s and 80s that a woman can take on a man's role uh, and, and vice versa, but uh, we, we wouldn't uh, hold or subscribe uh, to that viewpoint. So then we, let's move on. We come then to verses 19 and 20. And here we're introduced to something rather unusual, and it seems out of place at first. And uh, here we see Adam naming the animals, God bringing the animals to, to him that he had formed before. And Adam looks at them, and uh, they're brought in procession before him, and he looks at them, and in a split second, as it were, well, he can name uh, he, uh, each one. He, he can detect something of their character, and he can detect something of their characteristics just in that brief moment of time and give them a name accordingly. Now, of course, it cannot be every single animal, uh, that every single type of animal that God created. And we're, this, we're given some indication of this in verse 20, where specific animals are mentioned. Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. So there's no mention of the fish in the sea. And uh, so what, we, uh, what, happens, what is happening here is that probably uh, different families of animals are brought. Probably not every species within that family, but still a very large number, possibly in the hundreds, would have passed by him in that what, hour, two hours, and with amazing intelligence, we see him uh, here on the first day. Right, right from the very get-go, Adam is an intelligent being and demonstrating his powers of observation and his ability also to define uh, in words. Well, friends, it shows us uh, how wonderfully God has made Adam, not as some uh, dim-witted hominid who, who only communicates in groans and grunts, as, as the evolutionists tell us. No, but a speaking, intelligent uh, being. But something else is happening here, and that's why this is put here. Uh, as the animals are passing before uh, Adam in that procession, more and more he realizes that there is none like him. All these have a different nature to him. Verse 20 again, the end part. But for Adam, there was not found 
and help meet uh, for him. They all had a, a different nature to him. He cannot relate to any of these animals that are passing before him. And so a desire is created within Adam for a companion. A desire is kindled within his bosom uh, for a companion like unto him. Very natural desire for companionship with one of his own kind. A God-given uh, desire and one that God is going to fulfill. God has preparing him for, uh, for the Eve, for, to receive Eve when she is uh, brought uh, to him. Well, friends, we could apply this also spiritually. When we think about how we first desired Christ, it didn't just suddenly happen like that. We didn't want him as our saviour, just of our own, back as it were, in, in a moment. No, friends, often what God does is he makes to pass before us the emptiness. Maybe he let us try, go into the world for a while and make us see and feel, oh, all these things that I've had access to, like Solomon, they're vanity, they're emptiness, they're nothing. Or maybe he allows us to pass through a relationship and we find still there's still something lacking, there's still something missing, a desire, uh, some, something more. Or maybe you reach, we thought before, oh, when I reach the top of my ladder, then I'll be successful, then I'll be happy. And we reach the top, maybe God allows us to reach the top, and we, we reach and we discover, oh, <coughs> I'm still not content. I'm still unhappy. There's still something missing. And that's, as he, uh, he does these things, we are brought more to, uh, to receive Christ, to hear the gospel when uh, Christ is presented to us uh, then. He works up a desire within our hearts, uh, preparing us uh, for, the, for the reception uh, of Christ. A desire, if he prepares such a desire in our hearts, surely uh, he is uh, destined also to fulfill it, as happened here uh, with Eve. But uh, we move on uh, to verses 21 and 22, the making of this first woman. Here is the first operation, and God is the surgeon. Man is put in, under an anesthetic, a deep sleep. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. Man is put uh, in this state, and as he is under this deep sleep, the Lord removes one of his ribs and then closes that cavity, and from the rib the Lord makes, or the word is Bill's woman. And then the Lord God brought her uh, to the man. <clears throat> she is his final act of creation. He was made from the dust, but she from his rib. Adam lost a, a part of himself. He loses a part of his, himself, his rib, in the process. But he gains so much more uh, when Eve is brought uh, to him, which is really no loss. Verse 23, this is Adam's wow moment. This is love at first sight, isn't it? Uh, this is the joy of the bridegroom on his wedding day as his bride is brought to him. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This is this now. Uh, the is isn't there in the, in the Hebrew. This now is bone of uh, sorry, this now is bone of my bones and flesh 
of my uh, flesh. In contrast to all that had all the animals that went before him, no suitable partner was found for him. But this now is the person that is just right for me. At last, a counterpart uh, for me is the exclamation uh, here in verse 23. The first woman came from man. She's a part uh, of him. Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And uh, therefore the man, well, he must love and care uh, for his wife uh, as his own uh, body. She is a part uh, of him. He must nourish and cherish her as he would uh, his own uh, body. Well, friends, we know we provide uh, for our bodies. We protect uh, our bodies. We look after them. So the husband must provide for his uh, wife and uh, protect her and look after them. Uh, we, we are very gentle, as it were, with our own bodies. We look after them. We treat them very gently. Uh, and so also we must treat our wives with gentleness and with uh, kindness. Men think about uh, their bodies and we make plans to feed ourselves, which is only right. And we make plans to keep our bodies healthy. We say, on such and such a day, I'm going jogging. On such and such a day, I'm going to the gym. And uh, we think about our health. We make plans to keep our bodies in good shape. So well, husbands also must think about their wives and think about their wives' uh, needs and plan for their happy, her happiness, plan also for her uh, well-being. And uh, these things are in mind here. Well, so close, the, taken uh, from the rib of Adam. You know this very well-used and famous uh, saying, by, I think it's by Matthew Henry, uh, Eve was not made out of his head to surpass him, nor from his feet to be trampled on, but from his side to be equal to him, and near his heart to be dear to him. Well, that's how we are husbands are to treat our wives, to feel that they are so dear to us as our bone and as our flesh. That's what, uh, who's it, Jacob Oh, sorry, Laban. Laban, when he first saw Jacob, uh, he said, oh, you are my bone and you are my flesh. You're my close relative, it, the idea is. We are of the same family, same blood. And also, when you remember when the tribes came to David and wanted to make him king, to anoint him as king, he said, they said to him, well, you are you're our bone, you're our flesh. We are close kin. And... It's the same uh, thinking here. They must have got, got it from uh, this chapter, Genesis chapter 2. But Paul also picks up this, this thought in Ephesians 5 to show the union between Christ and his church and the love and care that Christ has for the church. He says we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. That's, and this is a great mystery they're so close. The church is so dear to Christ. It's a part of him. It's in his heart. It's in his mind. He's thinking about the church. He loves the church dearly. He gave his life for, for the church. Oh, friends, he thinks about us. He plans for us. 
plans for our advance uh, in sanctification. He plans for our training in life so that we may grow stronger in faith through the troubles even and difficulties that happen to us. Plans for our future happiness also. He provides all that we need. He answers so many of our prayers. He protects us from those who rise up against us. In so many ways, the Lord shows his love and his, how dear we are to him in the experiences that we have in life. But I move on to verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one a flesh. One final thought on marriage. This union between the husband and the wife, well, is the closest that we can have on earth, apart from our spiritual union uh, with Christ. This union between a husband and a wife, well, it's, uh, I have to say it's deeper than that between parents and children. That's what this verse is, is teaching us. Obligations to parents, of course, still continue for life, but this marriage union takes uh, precedence over it. These are the words, not of Adam, but of Moses. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. Maybe not so much in this country, but in the Asian countries. It's very common, newlywed couples, or they go and take up home uh, in the husband's home and stay with the husband's mother and father. Not a good idea, really. Better to start their own unit, this verse is telling us, because the conflict comes when uh, between the husband has to choose often, and we heard many stories along these lines, had to choose often between the wife and the mother. And it's usually the wife who comes off second best, uh, to, the surprise, to our surprise, maybe, but that's, uh, that's what common, uh, it's a common uh, occurrence. And really it's a recipe uh, for, for trouble and for conflict. So the, uh, the biblical advice really is uh, start a new unit. Of course, maintain contact with your relatives. Don't give that up. But have their own place and their own space to give them time uh, to grow together, to consolidate uh, the, the marriage without unnecessary uh, conflicts. And then finally, one, uh, this verse, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Not na naked, it was, they, were not, they were unaffected by the temperature. It was temperate, it was bearable, whether by day or by night, no need for clothing. But the idea really here is one of innocence. They, they felt their innocence, they had no guilt, they had no sin to be ashamed of, nothing to be ashamed of. And that was the idea here. It was all gonna change, sadly. Very soon they're going to feel that horrible feeling in their mind and in their soul and in their conscience of having guilt. And they're gonna be ashamed before God and hide, be, hide, try and hide from him. As we see in chapter three, where they sewed, made for themselves aprons uh, from fig leaves and then tried and to hide when God came a calling. Well, but before the fall, well, they were innocent and uh, were not ashamed. Here we read of their nakedness. So uh, this is uh, our short message for today. Just read verse 18 again. The Lord God said, 
It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him. <laughs> 